We want to thank you today for joining us at Truth Chapel's podcast. I pray this word would bring you life. I pray that it would edify you, encourage you, and enlighten you. If you have a moment, please subscribe and leave us a review. We will be so grateful. God bless, and let this word speak to your heart today. The book of Acts. The book of Acts. I've just decided to stay in Acts until we're done with it. Amen. Man, it's been, it's been very good so far, and it's continuing tonight. It's going to be even better. Amen. The book of Acts, I'm going to begin in chapter 13, Acts 13. Last week we covered where Paul went to Antioch, or at that time Saul. Uh, his name has not been uh, changed yet by the scripture. This will happen in this chapter that we're about to read. Uh, but Saul and Barnabas went to Antioch, and it was at Antioch they were first called Christians. And so now, beginning in Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, which was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manaen, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Amen. Lord, we ask you to touch the word tonight. Speak to us through your word. Help it to grow us. Help it to mature us. Teach us tonight, Lord. Speak to us. And God will be careful to not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word also. And the church said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated the presence of the Lord. Thank you for standing with me so long. Um, before I get deep into this chapter tonight, I wanted to show you something. Um, I wanted to give you a quick timeline of what is happening in the book of Acts, and Brother Gary is going to put that up for me here in just a second. Uh, but the reason I wanted to show this, and I don't know if you can see it very well, but I'll, I'll, I'll kind of go through it here in a minute, is because it's, it's easy to read the book of Acts and think that things are just happening. You know, that you know Jesus dies, he ascends. <laughs> We get the Holy Ghost, the church is born, and then the next thing happens, and the next things happen, and the next thing. It's like, it's almost, when, when you read the Bible in this way, it just seems like a lot of stuff's just happening so fast and so quickly. But really, there's a lot of time happening in between these events. A lot of time is taking place. So the Pentecost and Ascension of Jesus happens uh, on our calendar around 30 A.D. And um, this, is, uh, this is really give or take two to three years on either side of this. So some would say it was 27 AD, birth of the church or the ascension of Jesus up into heaven. Um, uh, it was like 20, 27, 28 AD. And then some would say it was more like 33 AD. So th th there's a little bit of a give and take of three years on either side of these numbers. So we have Pentecost and ascension in 30 AD. And then Stephen is the first martyr. Stephen was... Uh, martyred, and Saul was there to oversee that moment when they stoned Stephen. This is 35 A.D., or approximately five to six to even eight years after Jesus is dead and has already ascended. Okay, so you see how much time has elapsed there in that, in that time between the time that the church is born, Jesus is 
been risen from the dead. He's ascended into heaven. They went to the upper room, and there's the birth of the church, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, and the time that Stephen is martyred is between five and eight years later. So there's a lot of time that's taking place in there. And then uh, the persecution begins right after that. So we know that when Stephen, when Stephen is, is, is martyred, that the Pharisees, Sadducees, and even the king at that time uh, said, you know, this is, you know, it didn't seem to be that much of an uproar. Let's push this forward. So the persecution really begins at that time. And then that is the next, between that time and the next year, 36 AD. Paul or Saul is not converted or Saul doesn't have his moment in, on the road to Damascus until about 38 AD. And then the conversion of Cornelius, this is Acts chapter 10. This is where Peter goes to Cornelius' house. He preaches to Cornelius' family, and they receive the Holy Ghost as Peter preaches. This, this happens at 40 A.D. So this is around 10 to 13, between 7, 10, 13 years after Jesus is dead and the birth of the church. You see how much time has elapsed. So Jesus says, go into all the world, preach all the nations. Ten years later, Peter finally gets it right. Amen? So it's, it's not immediate. It's not that this is happening and all these things are just happening one after the other simultaneously. But what, it, what we see happen is it's taking time for all these things to happen. 44 AD, death of Herod Agrippa. And now we, we come to where we're at tonight, Paul's first missionary trip, which is 47 to 48 AD. So when Paul leaves Antioch under the unction of the Holy Ghost to go and do, they send Saul and Barnabas. His name's about to be, we're, we're about to be let in that they're now calling him Paul in this, in this same chapter. But this moment is about 18 to 20 years after the death of Jesus. So when you're reading the book of Acts or you're just hearing the stories, it just feels like everything's just happening so fast. Think about 20 years. Think about how long 20 years is. That's from the time that Jesus dies until the time that Paul goes on his first missionary trip is about 20 years, somewhere around that time. So that'll give you like a good mental look at what's going on. 20 years later, Jesus has been dead for 20 years. Saul has persecuted the church. God has converted him. Now he's a member of the church. He's a minister of the church. And he feels in the Holy Ghost that him and Barnabas should be separated for the work of the Lord in other places. The Bible says in Acts 13 and 3, they fast, they pray, then they lay their hands on them, they anoint them, they ordain them for this ministry, and they send them away. Verse 4 of Acts 13. Verse 4. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. Now there's going to be a lot of names up in this chapter that I can't pronounce properly. So just deal with it. And, and when they were at Salamis, glory, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. And when they had gone through the Isle of uh, Paphos, uh, Paphos they, found, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, 
who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. Now, Elimus, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. So here we have a sorcerer, a witch, who is a Jew, who's used his sleight of hand, his spirit of divination, his trickery, his sorcery, to confuse and confound many. The deputy of his country or the leader of his, of his part of the country is wanting to hear the word of God, but the sorcerer is trying to stop Saul and Barnabas because he doesn't want the deputy to hear the faith. And he wants to turn Paul and Barnabas away because they don't, he doesn't want this man to hear the word of God. Verse 9, then Saul, who also is called Paul, first time we see that. Now we can talk about the Apostle Paul because this is the first time in the book of Acts that we see the name shift from Saul to Paul. He's Saul. He's always been Saul, always going to be Saul, but now they're calling him Paul. The Bible is not very clear on why he changed his name or why they changed his name. The Bible does not say that God gave him a new name. We, we read all through the Old Testament where God is renaming people, right? The Old Testament is full of people being renamed. You used to be called Abram, now you're going to be called Abraham. You used to be called Jacob, now you're going to be called Israel. And we see that all throughout, all throughout the, New Test, uh, the Old Testament where God is changing people's names. But in this situation, the people start calling him Paul. Now, maybe that was so they could, you know, not have the stigma of what Saul used to be and do. So they just started, they gave him a nickname, Paul, the Apostle Paul. So here's where we see that his name is changed to Paul. The Bible says, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, oh, full of all sub subtility and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Amen. This is a real interesting story here. This deputy of the country, he wanted to hear the word, but there was a sorcerer who did not want him to hear the word. There was something in the way of him receiving the word. And when Paul saw what was happening here, he rebuked that spirit, called it out for what it was, and spoke blindness over that spirit. And when the deputy saw what had happened, he believed. This is a, I believe this is a, this is a, just a type and shadow of how the spirit really can do all manner of things and, and has all manner of different ways of attacking us, but the spirit really doesn't want us to hear the word. Amen? And people say, you know, the devil's been attacking me, the enemy's been at me, you know, all this kind of stuff, and I believe in a lot of that and some of that, but more than anything, the enemy wants to separate you from hearing the word of God. 
That, that's his ultimate game because he knows if you ever get the word in you and you get the word settled and you believe, it's game over for him. Amen? And so this, this, this evil man, this sorcerer the Bible calls him, his whole plan was just to block Paul and Barnabas so they wouldn't speak the word to this deputy. That was his whole game. All he wanted to, was to block the man of God to speak the word of God to someone who needed to hear it. Amen? Amen. Some of y'all wanted to stay home tonight because you was tired and you worked all day. That was just a sorcerer. The Lord knew you needed to be in the house of the Lord to hear the word of the Lord because he knew that word was going to help you. Amen? David said it like this, O Lord, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Amen. It wasn't a song. It wasn't a shout. It wasn't just church. But it was a word that kept me. Amen. He knows that word is powerful. And he said, he told him in, in verse 10, he said, will thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? That's what he knew he was trying to do. Pervert the right ways of the Lord. And when that deputy saw in verse 12 what had been done, he believed. Verse 13 says, now when Paul and his company loose from Paphos, <clears throat> they came to Perga of Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch of Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. After the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren, if ye had any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Okay, so I want to kind of explain this moment to you because this, um, I know that we, there's a lot of things that happen in the book of Acts, but there's key moments in the book of Acts. And if you're not paying attention, you'll miss this moment in Acts 13. This is a key moment, what's about to happen in Acts 13. So in, in, verse, um, in, in verse 14, the Bible says that they, when they came to Antioch in Pisidia, they went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and they sat down. So it was on the Sabbath day is when the Jews would all come to the synagogue and they would listen. It, it wasn't church like we have in church right now. We have church in a new covenant Christian way of having church. We have church on the Lord's day, not on Sabbath. Okay? We have church on the Lord's day, not on the Sabbath. Sabbath is Saturday, Jewish Sabbath. But the Lord's Day is Sunday. The reason that we have church on Sunday is because the Holy Ghost was poured out on the Lord's Day. Right? So in the New Testament, when the Holy Ghost was poured out, it was poured out on a Sunday. And that's when the church came together and they worshiped together and people were baptized. So we, we hold church on Sunday, but the Jews, they would have synagogue on Saturday. That was their last day of the week. It was their... It was their day of rest. They did nothing on the Sabbath. Even today, right now, Orthodox Jews don't even push elevator buttons on the Sabbath. You can do no labor on the Sabbath. So they would all come to the synagogue. Here's what they would do. They would sit. And here's what would happen. Watch verse 15. After the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue. So here's what they would do. On the Sabbath day, they would come to the synagogue, and the rabbi would read the law. He would just read the law. And he would read the prophets. That's all they would do. There was no 
uh, singing. There was no shouting. There was no tambourines. There was no worship like we would think because that's not what they did on the Sabbath day. They didn't have church like we have church today. They did all those things during their festivals. They did all the worship and all that stuff. It was more of a festival, a family gathering, a time. What, what we do today in, in church morely, more represents a time of worship and gathering together. The book of Psalms would call it a Tehillah praise that God inhabits. When his people get together and they sing hymns and they tell each other of how good God is. Right, they speak to one another. So what we do as a 2022 New Covenant Church is we are combining the Sabbath and the Lord's Day together in one moment, and we call it Sunday Church. When we come together, we have a Tehillah praise, we worship the Lord together, we sing songs of Zion, we tell of God's goodness, we hear the word preached. We speak, sometimes we speak from the prophets, sometimes we speak from the New Testament, but we preach a word. We're combining these things and together as one, and that's what we call church. These people never heard the word church, ever. It was temple. It was synagogue. That's it. So they're coming to the synagogue, and the rulers of the synagogue read through the scripture. They read through the, the Torah. They read the Old Testament. They read through the law, whatever reading they're doing that day. They read through the law. When they get through reading through the law, they see that John, uh, they see that Paul and Barnabas are there. They say to them, men and brethren, if you have anything to say, if you have any ex exhortation that you would like to say to the people, say it. These rulers of the synagogue on the Sabbath day give Paul a stage. Man, you got something to say, say it. Paul says, oh, I, I guess I will. Paul comes up, verse 16. Paul stood up and beckoned with his hand and said, men of Israel. This is a good preacher. He beckons with his hand. Men of Israel. He's dramatic. The Bible's telling us what he's doing. He's, he's dramatic. He's not reading. He's not reading from the Old Testament. He's not reading law. He's not, he, not going to take a piece of the Torah out and do what they did. He got something to say. He says, men and brethren. He says, uh, he beckons, he said, men of Israel and ye that fear God, give audience. Listen to me. The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they were dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt with a high arm brought he them out of it. And about the time of 40 years suffered he their manners in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he divided their land to them by lot. And after that, he gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years until Samuel the prophet. This is how he led the people. He led the people through judges until Samuel the prophet. And afterward, they desired a king. They wanted a king. And God gave them Saul, the son of Sis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Of this man's seed, hath God according to his promise raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. 
He just brought them all the way through their whole history. You see what he did? He brought them through their whole history. He went Old Testament on them. He brought them all the way through the history to the guy who they all love, David. And he said, through David, God has given us a Savior, Jesus. When John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all people of Israel, and as John fulfilled his course, he said, who do you think that I am? I am not he, but behold, there cometh one after me whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to loose. Now, he's talking to people that have all went out to the desert and heard John preach. The Bible would tell us that when John the Baptist was in the desert, that all of Israel at one point or time had been out to hear John preach, this wild man in the desert as he preached repentance. So they're all, they all know who John is. He said, verse 26, men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, Jews, and whosoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. Notice what he says. Notice this. Catch this. Because he's not in Jerusalem right now. He's not in Jerusalem. He's in a different country. And so in a different country, you have a synagogue for Jews, but other people can be there as well. So he says, you men that are of the stock of Abraham or whosoever is here that feareth God, to you this salvation is sent. For they that dwell in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voice of the prophet, which are, which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate that he should be slain. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. But God raised him from the dead. <coughs> now, who does this sound like? If you're listening to this message <coughs> in Acts 13, it sounds a lot like the message in Acts 2. Because basically, this is the same thing that Peter preached. Peter gave him the whole history, brought him all the way up to David. From David jumped to Jesus. From Jesus jumped to John the Baptist. From John the Baptist jumped all the way to the Jews killed him. God raised him. The whole thing is brought at full circle. And it says in verse 31, and he was seen many days of them which came up from Galilee to Jerusalem who are his witness, witnesses unto the people. And we declare unto you glad tidings how that the promise that was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto us their children in that he hath raised up Jesus again as it is also written in the second Psalm, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And as concerning that he raised them up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption, <clears throat> he said on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Wherefore, he saith also in another psalm, thou shalt not suffer thine holy one to see corruption. He's making the connection between David, not the psalmist, David the prophet, speaking of Jesus. But he whom God raised again saw no corruption. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, all that believe are justified from all things from which you cannot be justified by the law of Moses. Now, if you got this part right here down, remind me to give you $5 later. Yes, watch verse 39 again. And by him... All that believe are justified from all things 
from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses, the high priest of Hebrews. Whew. Beware, therefore, lest that come upon you which is spoken of in the prophets. Behold, you despisers and wanderers and, per and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise believe, through a man declare it, though a man declare it unto you. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Let me just tie these two in here. So he says in verse 40, he said, now listen, you need to beware that you don't fall into this trap that you be despisers and you wonder and perish because he told you, I'm going to work a work in your days and you won't believe it, though a man tell you. And when the Jews had left the synagogue, guess who were left? The Gentiles. There were Gentiles in the synagogue hanging out. There were Gentiles in this synagogue. And when the Jews left, the, the, those Gentiles came to Paul and they said, hey, listen, could you preach this again next, next week? Man, this revival's going good. Can you stay over for another week? Paul says, yes. Paul says, yes. Now, when the congregation was broken up, watch this, verse 43, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. So, I mean, it may, not, it, it, it may not do nothing for you, but I like this. You may be like, what, 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 what's this all about? This is just so good to me. It's, it's a religious leader, a Pharisee, a Sadducee in the synagogue who, who sees Paul, recognizes who he is, and says, listen, you want to say something? Paul gets up and preaches a what? Four-minute message? Says what he says. The Gentiles say, man, this was good. Could you preach this again next week? Paul says, yeah, I'll, I'll preach it again next week. The next week comes and the whole city is there. What does that tell you? That tells me that there were people in that building that heard Paul's word, that were so excited about what they heard, they told everybody they could get a hold of, you got to be with me next week. That's a good evangelistic church. I mean, if what you heard last Sunday was really good, then you would have told everybody you know, man, last Sunday was amazing. You got to be with me next Sunday. I got one clap for amens. Because y'all don't want to tell nobody. These people were so excited to hear what Paul was about to say that they got the whole city to come out. You're not going to believe what this man has to say. Come out. The Bible says the whole city, almost the whole city, gathered together to hear the word of God. Watch verse 45. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. Yeah. Maybe sometimes that's why we don't have revival. Because the Lord knows if we fill this place up with people that y'all don't know, somebody going to take your seat. <laughs> 
You're not going to find it. You're not going to have a parking space. You, you're not going to be able to park in your favorite spot, so you're going to leave. You're going to get mad at one of the parking attendants and try to kick somebody. Well, I'm leaving. I always park here. Well, maybe not. When they saw it, when they saw it, they were filled with envy, spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. They were so angry that their, that their synagogue, this is our synagogue, they were so angry that their synagogue was filled up that they started speaking against what Paul was even saying. They were okay with it last week, but now that there were too many people in the room, they contradicted and blasphemed. Verse 46, then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, it is necessary that the word of God should first be spoken unto you. But seeing you put it from you and judge yourself unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. If y'all don't want it, somebody wants it. Oh, hallelujah. That ought to be a lesson for every one of us. If we don't want it, there's somebody that wants it. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. Kicked them out. I like verse 51, though, but they shook the dust off their feet. They shook the dust off their feet against them and came into Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> See, if, you, if you're just skimming through Acts and you're just trying to read Acts 2, Acts 10, Acts 16, you're trying to read you know, Acts 19, all the good parts, you miss this part. That it was in a synagogue, a Jew allowed Paul to preach in a synagogue and it won the hearts of many Gentiles. Mm. And in this moment, if you haven't been paying attention, if you haven't been paying attention, it is in this moment, in that synagogue, surrounded by Jews, a handful of Gentiles hear the word, say we're going to bring everybody we know here, and it's in this moment that you can hear the echo of God speaking to Abraham in the desert, telling Abraham, Abraham, through your seed, I will save the world. <laughs> you talk about the fulfillment of prophecy? If, if, you, if you ain't looking, you're going to miss it. You, you'll miss the echoing sound of God's voice promising a man who had nothing. Abraham, if you follow me, I, through you, through your seed, I will save the world. And it's in a room full of Abraham's people. Paul would even call them, you are the sons of Abraham. They missed it, but the Gentiles received it. Amen. They missed it, but the Gentiles received it. Verse chapter 14, I'm going to move forward for just a few more minutes. We'll be done tonight. And it came to pass in Iconium that they, that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews and so spake that a great multitude of the Jews and also of the Greeks believed. Amen. So it ain't all the Jews, it's just some of them. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil 
affected against the brethren. Long time, therefore, abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided and part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. Amen. Now, if, you, if you're reading this and you're thinking, man, I thought this was going to be revival, that everything was going to be fine. Everybody wanted to hear this. Then you forgot what Jesus told his disciples when he said, suppose ye that I came to bring peace? Nay. I came to bring a sword. I came to bring division because there will be believers and non-believers. I will set mother against daughter, father against son. I, I will divide. Listen, I know that there needs to be unity in the church but there will never be unity with the church in the world. Y'all don't want to hear me. Y'all don't want to hear me. Y'all want us all to be friends. It, it can never happen. I wish the church would just, would just be more uh, fitting for the world. It'll never happen. We, God wants us to be unified in here. But the spirit of the world, I'm not talking about the people. The spirit of the world would never be in unity with the church. And, and, and what does that spirit use? People. We're never going to see eye to eye. It's never going to be the church is just lovey-dovey with the, with the world and the world is just lovey-dovey with the church. It's never going to happen. There's always going to be division. And Jesus told us this. We should not be surprised right now that the world has a problem with the church. We should not be surprised. Why does that baffle us? Why are we trying to find ways to bridge the gap? You mean if we don't speak about abortion, we'll be okay? Well, you could have heard a pin drop when I said that. No, let's talk about it. It's wrong. Every which way you turn it, it's a non-biblical. I don't care what your political views are. It's not biblical views. It's not a choice. It's a murder. Every way you turn it, every way you turn it biblically. And I'm not, and you say, well, uh, you know, Pastor, you, you, you're going a little too deep. There's a problem. You keep thinking that he came to bring peace. He did not. He came to bring a sword. There will be division. We will not see things eye to eye because I've chosen to put on a biblical view because I see through the biblical lens the biblical lens will not allow me to see it your way I can't now you know the biblical lens also allows me to see mercy grace kindness but not agreement listen let me say it again if I'm looking through the biblical lens, I can't be mean, I can't be mad, I can't be unkind. But I can also not agree. Like, you see things your way, God bless. I'm not burning your house down, please don't burn down mine. Right? You do you, I'm going to do me. But we will not agree on this. We will agree to disagree. This is wrong. Here's the scriptures that say it's wrong. I'm not just making this up. I didn't say that because my daddy told me. No, I got Bible. I got scripture that lets me know this is not okay. These issues in the world today, which we have made so political and so divisive, there's a biblical wall here that me nor you can climb over 
in no way, no form, no fashion, and we will always be at odds. There will always be half of the city against us, half of the city for us. The apostles didn't walk into a city and say, oh, man, these apostles are here. Let's have a good old time. But the city was divided. Part of them held with the Jews and part of them held with the apostles. And when there was, verse 5, and when there was an assault made both of the Gentiles and also of the Jews with their rulers to use them despitefully and to stone them, they were ware of it and fled unto Lystra and Deborah, cities of Lysonia, and unto the region that lieth round about. And there they preached the gospel. You're going to see this a lot of times in the, in the book of Acts is that when the church got forced out of a place, like we're going to kill you, we're going to get you, you better run for your life. Wherever they went, they preached the gospel. Amen. Amen. The Bible says, and there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked, never. The same heard Paul speak who steadfastly beholding him and perceived that he had faith to be healed, saith with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Lasonia, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And they called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercius, or what we'd call Mercury, because he was the chief speaker. And the priest, then the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands into the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people, which were, which when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people, crying out and saying, sirs, why do you these things? We also are men of like passions with you and preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein. This is a pretty amazing moment when Barnabas and Paul perform a miracle. The people lose their mind and they're like, oh, these are gods. This is Jupiter and this is Mercury. And this group of people in this, in this city, in, in Lystria where they're at, or, um, yeah, in, in, in Lystria where they're at, they, they believe in the planets. They believe that Jupiter's a god and Mercury's a god, probably Saturn's a god, and all these different, and they believe in this. And so when they see Paul and Barnabas doing this, they're like, oh, these guys are gods. They go and they try to make Paul and Barnabas gods. They try to make sacrifices and bring them all this stuff. And if Paul and Barnabas are careful, they can fall into this trap that, it, you know, hey, it's, you know, I'm all that in a bowl of grits. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking good. You know, it's, it's looking good on me. Yeah, 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 you know, you know, you know, we be out here healing people, you know what I'm saying? You know, just, they, they could have took on this moment, but the Bible says they tore their clothes and ran away from them and said, why are you doing this? We are men of like passions with you, we, we are just men. Some of the most powerful things a man of God or a woman of God will ever say is that you are just human. Let me say that again. The most powerful thing a man of God or a woman of God could ever say is that you are just human 
and there's nothing special about you. Only the God that uses you in whatever way he wants to. Amen? Amen. And I know that that's kind of countercultural sometimes <clears throat> because we, you know, preach to ourselves, you know, we should love ourselves and we should think highly of ourselves and all that stuff. And I believe in all that. You know, you shouldn't think lowly of yourself. At the same time, you should have a firm grip on the fact that you are human. And no matter how great you think you are, you still have the ability to be an idiot. You still have the ability to be wrong. You still have the, the ability to lose out. You still have the ability to be unforgiving, unmerciful, ungrateful. Amen. I got seven uh, amens. And the rest of y'all, just write a book and give it to us when you're done writing it. But when you realize that the, the, these men, even though they were under the power of God, full of the Holy Ghost, they said, we are men. <clears throat> you need to turn from this vanity. Turn it to the living God. He made the heavens and the earth. He made the sea. He has the power who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Verse 17, nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, scarce restrained they the people that they had not done sacrifice unto them. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and having uh, and persuading the people, having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Howbeit, as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Deborah. Now, this, this right here has a little bit of contention, theologically speaking, but here's what I believe. I believe that what this is talking about is that these people literally took Paul out and stoned him. They took him out of the city. They stoned him. They thought he was dead, but he got up. They drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Howbeit, as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas unto Deborah. And when they had preached the gospel to that city, he had taught many. They returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. Confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. And after they had passed through the city, they came to Pamphylia. And when they preached the word in Perga, they went down to Attilia and thence sailed to Antioch from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they were come, they gathered the church together. They rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they abode long time with the disciples. Now, I'm going to end right there because I want to draw attention, something that caught my attention in verse 27. In verse 27, so they, they did all this traveling. They preached all this stuff, preached all these things, and had all this stuff happen. They were attacked. They were cursed. The rumors were started about them. They were, they, they were, um, they tried to be taken to jail. And according to the scripture, Paul was taken outside the city and stoned. And they thought he was dead, but he actually lived. He, the Bible said he rose up. Okay. 
all that stuff happened. But watch verse 27. They, when they came back to Antioch, they rehearsed this. They, they told him, man, they brought everybody together. They gathered the whole church together, and they told, they told them of all, of all that God had done with them and how he opened the door to the Gentiles. You, you see that? When they got the whole church together, I don't see one place where they said, man, we were, they, they, they lied on us. They, they tried to kill us. They took me out and stoned me. None of that. The Bible says they just rehearsed that God had done with them and how he opened the door to the Gentiles. In other words, in Paul's mind, this trip was completely worth it because the Gentiles received faith. All that stuff that happened to me, we understand we understand that the kingdom of God will not come without hardship. He, he says that. He says that we knew, we knew that the kingdom of God <clears throat> would come through much, much tribulation. And when he gets to church together to testify, he tells of none of the negative things that happened. He just says, man, God used us in a mighty way, and the faith was opened to the Gentiles. The door of faith was opened to the Gentiles. Look what God did. No belly aching. None of the bad things that happened. Paul was not interested in telling those things. He was interested in letting them know, no matter what happened to us, here's the good things that happened. God used us in a mighty way, and now there's many Gentiles all over this world that are telling everybody about Jesus. Hallelujah. Sometimes it's easy for us to get caught up in the negative things that may happen. It's, 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 it's become kind of a sport in the church world to sit around and talk about how rough it was. Amen. I'm coming up on the rough side of the mountain. Well, <clears throat> that's the only side of the mountain you can come up because ain't nobody ever climbed up the slick side of the mountain. Hello. You can't climb up the slick side. There's nothing to hold on to. If it's rough, that gives you the footing you need to get higher. Come on, somebody. We knew that the kingdom would be birthed through much tribulation. We knew that it was going to happen. Jesus told us, they will hate you for my namesake. They'll hate you because you preach my name. Not because you do many wonderful works. Not because you break down the doctrine. They'll hate you because you come in my name. They'll hate you. They'll persecute you. You will divide cities. You will divide nations for my namesake. But in the middle of it all, the Gentiles receive the faith. Hallelujah. In the, you know what? We could talk about all the other stuff, but let's just talk about the good things that God did. That's a spirit of gratefulness. That's a spirit of thankfulness. It's just easy for us to point out all the negatives in our life, but you know what? Looking back, I know that God did some amazing things, and through it all, I learned to trust in Jesus. Through it all, I learned to trust in God. That's what I learned. I learned that God is still working even when they took me out and tried to stone me. Amen. Would you stand to your feet tonight? Amen. Amen. Next week we'll, we'll cover through hopefully 15, 16, and 17, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, Paul and Silas. Paul's about to get a new traveling partner. Barnabas got to go do some work somewhere else, and he's about to connect with Silas and 
God's going to do some great things. I, um, if you want to see that, that timeline of Acts, I'll try to get that posted uh, today or tonight on Facebook. You can post, I'll try to get that posted so you can kind of look through there. When you're looking at 30 A.D., you know, we, we say that A.D. is after death. But really that 30 A.D. is the time that Jesus died. And some people would say maybe it's 27 A.D. or up to 33 A.D. So you give a little take on both sides. But you can see the timeline of these events is actually taking years and years for, for the word of God to be spread uh, uh, just, just, across, just across the whole world. And, and uh, the known world at that time. And you'll see how God uses these disciples and uh, there are the apostles and the disciples that connected to them to push his word out throughout the known world. Amen. And so I'll, I'll get that posted so you can look at that if you're interested in that as well. Amen. Would you just take a moment? We want to thank you again for joining us on the Truth Chapel podcast. May you have a blessed day and walk in the favor of the Lord.